to Red Gringo's podcast. Here are your hosts, Phil Bucky and Patrick Staley. You know, Cruz, and they're all crazy in their own right. Even like Jeb Bush is awful, but in comparison to what's out there right now, he seems normal. Like a guy who tells the crowd to clap for him and is recorded live saying it is, is the normal candidate. And he had to drop out and right. it's literally just, it's crazy. It's insane. The, I watch some of the Republican debate and they're literally just bickering like, like eight year olds, dude. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible yeah. to watch. Well, it's funny to watch, but it's horrible that these are yeah. the people who are vying to be the, yeah, leader, step back the free world. Potential presidential debate then. Yeah. Like it would be really funny if they were in a sort of um, like some kind of reality show. Like if they were all on The Celebrity Apprentice. So so not too far removed from Donald Trump's actual. Exactly. Like if Donald Trump went on a season of Celebrity Apprentice with a bunch of politicians and this was the result, then it would be really funny. But instead, like it's super just, sad. Them just talking in a room and right, arguing about like marketing strategies and. But instead, you know, they're arguing about, you know, foreign policy and <laughs> codes to the nukes and all that. So yeah, you know, just yeah. the minor stuff. Who won our? Well, your previous and soon to be current again. <laughs> state of texas uh i didn't see texas texas called for anyone yet okay yeah i don't see it up either but that's the one if right if trump takes that then that's that's it for pretty much wraps it up but if he takes that i mean nobody else has a chance anyway so no so um i put together this little super tuesday premier league Kind of cross combination. Um, I liked it. I liked it. So first we have we have Lester currently sitting top, and I think I think they're Bernie Sanders. I like, and aside from the fact that you know Bernie Sanders' long history, no one knew about him until until this year. Yeah, um, I think the other parallel. And I didn't think about this until I was watching the game today, but I think the other parallel between Lester and Bernie Sanders is Claudio Ranieri's hair to <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> the physical characteristics would match up. And that's, I mean, that, that one's spot on too, because they're, they're popular, but throughout all this popularity, everybody's like, yeah, they're probably, they're probably not going to win it. You know, it's, right. it's, it's fun. They're a little bit crazy. Chat shit, get banged, or, you know, a step away from socialism. But either way, it, it's, it's been a fun ride for Lester. And I think no matter where Lester or Bernie end up, I think they're both going to be pretty satisfied with the way all this had, has kind of played out. And, I mean, to a certain extent, Lester's up there, and they're kind of in the same way as Bernie Sanders – they're a little, uh, they're like driving conversation more so than, you know, they're, they're like, if we get elected, that's fine. But 
we need to talk about this stuff. And, yeah. uh, and Lester's kind of forcing the issue of, you know, lower league teams being able to make runs at the, or, you know, lower, uh, lower placed teams or lower stature teams making runs at, at the title. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, with the, with an open system and with the amount of cash that they have, if you spend it right, you're, you're right in there with Lester too. Right. And I think they're, they're going to be pr- hit pretty Who's there? Who's their main defender? I can't remember his name. League leader in like every defensive category humanly possible got injured. And I saw that and I was like, oh shit, that's, that's opened it up for. Oh, um, their midfielder, Conte. Yeah. 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 Defensive midfielder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When every uh, defensive category possible. And I I think if he's gone then that, what they drew today, right? They did. They, uh, Yeah. yeah, they drew against West Brom and it was, a very strange game to watch. It was, I will say, watching that game, um, Mares is, I think he's actually better than most people think he is. Like, a lot of people think he's amazing, but I think he's yeah. even better than that. I don't think he's gotten the credit that, that he deserved. a lot. Even earlier on, it was all down to Vardy. Right. Mars got a little bit of love and attention, but yeah, I think you're right. He's he's been so fucking good this year that it's, yeah, he he definitely hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. It's absolutely unbelievable because every time he's on the ball, um, every touch he takes is ridiculous. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty unbelievable. And his assist today, if you get a chance, take a look at it because he uh, a ball came into the box and he jumped to take it down and it looked like he was going to take it down and play in a cross um, from the right side of the box. But instead, as the cross came in towards him, he jumped to look like he was going to take it down and then let it hit off the outside of his left boot and touched it across the box to for King to finish. It was just, yeah, it was absolutely genius. Um, I think you're, and no one expected about, it. A little rumor about him, Barcelona being interested, but that's probably just his agent trying to. Yeah, I heard about that too. I wouldn't be shocked if I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be this season, but I think if yeah. he spent one more season at the level that he's at now, I wouldn't be shocked if it was. Uh, oh yeah, if he continues the same form Madrid, in the next season. Barca, PSG even, and with him being um, Algerian slash French um, and starting in France, if PSG came around, I I wouldn't be be shocked to see him. Plus, I I think some some of the top players that are making big money moves see PSG as maybe a safer option where it's not – you don't have the same pressure as a move to Madrid or Barcelona. Yeah, that's true. I uh, well, Johan Kabai thought that too. And now he's playing at Crystal Palace. <laughs> oh, the the woeful Crystal Palace was it two points in like their last ten or something like that. Yeah, they've been absolutely dreadful. I think uh, I think Crystal Palace, um, I think Crystal Palace are quickly becoming. Um, they look like Newcastle because. All it took oh, was yeah. Alan Pardew yeah. signing a signing a long deal, and uh, and then they started sucking. 
um, the second he looks like the savior, it and all starts going wrong for him. They're kind of like, I don't know, Ben Carson in this presidential race. They're never <laughs> really, they were never really in it. And now they've just. Right. Uh, what I put here for Tottenham with Ted Cruz, what do you think about that? Not attractive, not, not likable, but <laughs> they're still somehow, you know, kind of in the mix. I yeah, I think Ted Cruz is the one that fits. Be, otherwise, I would say Marco Rubio, but I think Arsenal is a perfect description for right. Marco Rubio too. But we'll focus on Tottenham Ted Cruz. Not, I mean, if we're talking candidacy, not an attractive candidate for the Republican Party for America in general. Right. And as a human being, a hideous human being, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, <laughs> both physically and in terms of likability as well. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's up there. I, I have no, idea. and it's all <laughs> the Republican nominees are, are kind of like a good match for the premier league in general this year <laughs> where you have, none of it makes any sense. None of it makes any sense, right? right. Like Lester being in first Trump being in first, there's an analogy right there. Cruz being, actually a front runner being a normal viable candidate because he's right next to as crazy as it gets. Right. And that's, that's Tottenham this year. Like that, it would crush me if, if Tottenham wins maybe more than, than anybody else. I can't make yeah. up my mind. We talked about it last time, but I can't like, it, it would also physically crush me if Ted Cruz was the president <laughs> of the United States. And it's, yeah. it's a realistic possibility too, but uh, yeah, I, I so don't know. I, I think, Here's here's a big pro- part of my problem with Tottenham, right? So when when Liverpool made their run in 13-14, we Liverpool were legitimately the best team to watch week in and week yeah. out in the league. I mean, every week they were scoring tons of goals. They were playing a really attractive, high-tempo style. Everything was very like like they were attracting viewers who would never have watched Liverpool otherwise. You know, they were they were like the they and they had to be amazing. They had to play like some amazing football to like get into that position. Oh, and yeah. I just feel like they worked they worked really hard to get in that spot and now we have a situation where two teams who don't play particularly attractive football they get results um and they score some ugly goals um you know they have a couple players who are really quality and and a, f- a few players who aren't um but they've found a time in the premier league where all it takes is you know a little bit of consistency and you're at the top and oh, yeah. uh it didn't take you know it's not going to take a a 100 103 goals um, <laughs> to win the league. It's it's going to take. I mean, Leicester just hit 50, and they're in for, they're the top scoring side in the league. Um, oh yeah, you know, almost three quarters of the way through the season, um, or getting getting there. So, um, I think uh, I think seeing a team like Tottenham finish finish up there playing. You know, not they're not like the 
they're not the most ugly side. They're not a Pulis side, <laughs> they're but not, they're not the bell of the ball. Or, but, but yeah, I not, mean, like, you take a look in their uh, on goal differential. They're far and away the best, right? And that's we actually had to compete with an unbelievable City team as well. Maybe an underperforming right. Chelsea team, but definitely the. It seemed like. We got a little bit of luck, and I'm thinking back to like Chelsea, um, uh, Barini penalty, and all that. So we had oh, you yeah. have to have a little bit of luck to get in that position. Right. But it seems like everything is falling in place. You know, credit to Tottenham; they've been arguably the best team throughout the entire year. I mean, goal different. You know, the results that they're getting, and it's almost like a throwback to decades ago when it was just like win at home, grind out draws on the road as well. And it's just about getting results. And that's what, uh, you know, for, for Liverpool in 13, 14, it was all about just like amazing attacking football, not just from us, but also from city. And you could argue like Arsenal and other, other teams back then too. But this year it's all been about, you know, who's, who can be consistent. Leicester's surprisingly been consistent and Tottenham's been consistent as well. And that's the fault of Arsenal and city that, they're so damn inconsistent that, that it's going to cost you. Yeah. Um, so we also have up here, we've got, we've got kind of the obvious one that was Manchester city and, and Donald Trump. And uh, yeah. I think the way, and this kind of harkens back a little bit to, to most of cities titles. So they have tons of money. They play just well enough to hang in there. And then they get that little bit of luck where everyone else is just just messes up enough for them to end up winning the title. Yeah, um, and they with their goal different, they can you know every now and then they'll put up like five nothing, six nothing right. on a team when Aguero Aguero or Silver anybody else is in the mood, and then automatically their goal differential just jumps up too. So yeah, even though you wouldn't look at it by the table now, I think what is it Leicester Tottenham have or Leicester have two games in hand, but yes, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think anybody would be, would be surprised if city actually came away with it. Um, and that could be, you know, I hope that we absolutely crush them tomorrow. I think that'd be a huge one for us, but I mean, I don't know why, I don't know why, like I, I tweeted about company too. And company's always been a player I really respect and, you know, just talent wise and, you know, his captaincy and all that. And I, I was even talking about that before I realized that he had actually, you know, kind of went over to console or congratulate the, the Liverpool players after the penalties too. Right. And so all these city fans were like, it was the most like retweets and favorites I've ever gotten on anything. It was just a simple tweet about yeah. company. And I don't know. I just feel like, you know, United supporters, Arsenal supporters, you can't really say the same for Leicester supporters. Like I think, you saw that, what was it, last week or earlier over the weekend or something where it was, uh, you know, kind of talking about the bandwagon, and which is 100% true. Yeah. But then if you're you're going to take a little bit of offense to it if you're, you know, a long-term Leicester supporter. Yeah, of course. But I, I, City, they should. Like, City should, you know, offend us or agitate us with, you know, big money spending and all that. But, you know, Pellegrini's a likable guy. They've got... I mean, aside from fucking Nazri, they got a lot of likable <laughs> players on that team as well. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. They don't like Chelsea United. Well, and Sterling, obviously. Well, yeah, I didn't see. I forgot about him. 
already, oh, yeah. just like everybody forgot about him prior to the to the Capital One Cup. I think they talked more about Milner yeah. switching allegiances and then talked about Sterling. But yeah. I don't know. That, that's the one problem I have with the Trump analogy is that Donald Trump is so loathsome. Right. And that's that's appealing to some, but I just don't get that from from City. Like right. if United were currently a front runner, then I would say they're they're Donald Trump. Yeah. And you know, Van Gaal is a good whatever the hell he was up to falling down in the last match or whatever. <laughs> he would be a perfect I feel like he and Donald Trump would get along just yeah, fine. He's almost a I mean, he's not a doppelganger, but he's like just the Dutch version of what <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump Donald Trump looks like. Um, I can, I can yeah, see United that. would have fit into this analogy a little bit better. I think I think Trump strictly for the money and uh yeah. and then kind of looking into the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, everyone else may mess up just enough for them to win. Um, yeah. But yeah, I will agree with you that I think I think City are a much more likable um, team than, uh, you know, the Donald Trump campaign. Um, (laughs) And I think, I think company is a big part of that though, because I know if, um, and I, I will get in, you know, more into the detail of the, of the league cup final. But I think, um, I think once company's gone, once he once he you know retires or or however he leaves city it's i think that team's going to take a hit as far as the uh i guess the class factor um yeah it it may be tougher for them cuz i know i thought really highly of uh yaya toure until <laughs> until the later stages of um, the league cup final. So, um, so yeah. And then, uh, also here we've got, I figured you would have liked him body slamming or attempting to body so, slam Luana. Yeah. I'll, uh, well, okay. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll dive into that. So for the, for obviously if you're listening to this, you probably saw the entirety of the league cup final, if not shame on you, but, um, yeah, we have spoiler alerts. Yeah, but um, in the later stages of the game, Yaya Toure, uh, well, Adam Lallana slid in on, I want to say, Fernandinho in midfield. Um, yeah. And brought him down, and it, it was not a hard challenge by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but the whistle the whistle went, but Lallana had already kind of carried on and, and was on the ball. And Toure put in a challenge on him that was not good. Um, and Lalana yeah, took Lallana's offense. challenges were legit. Yeah, Toure's was a yeah, little Lallana's bit, was, a little bit feisty. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Toure's was a little, a little heavy. And uh, yeah. And then so Lalana took offense and and got in Toure's face. And Yaya Toure tried to throw him to the ground. Yeah, um, the old step behind, try to lift him up. And it was like a little bit of a middle school playground move where you've never, Mm -hmm. you've never really fought anyone before, but you're like, (laughs) so you kind of try to, and he lifted him up and he put his knee like to try and tip him over. Yeah. And as it was happening, I just, 
I was just sitting there. I was like, if you're Lalana, just go down. Like, because <laughs> he'll get sent off. If he throws a player to the ground, like, he's done. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't no, really understand why Lalana was so intent on staying up or if Yaya Toure was just so bad at <laughs> fighting Adam Lalana, who's about half his size. Um, but yeah, I thought it was an obvious, like the incident was obviously more than what, uh, what Michael Oliver saw. Um, oh yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't getting in the middle of that. He just stood back and was like, Nope. Right. Well, I mean, he was looking to shake someone's hand as he booked them or whatever. (laughs) He's a gentleman. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to escalate the proceedings. So yeah, I really thought that, uh, I really thought that Yaya deserved um, deserved red for that, but that's I mean it didn't end up mattering in the end as as he dispatched the winning penalty. So yeah, that was something I wish we would have taken advantage of, but we could talk about it when we get to the final sure. with his one leggedness for the past for the last fifteen minutes yes. or so. But uh, before we get to that, you've got I think the one that you nailed the best in terms of front runners for the title and the Republican nomination was the Arsenal Marco Rubio. Yeah. Comparison. Just because by every sense of the imagination, they should be the front runner. They should be out everybody in their rear view mirror, but for some reason they're not. And it doesn't make any sense to me how both Arsenal <laughs> are not in first right now. And how Marco Rubio isn't, he's not winning the Hispanic vote in some, in some states. Like Trump got, is getting the Hispanic vote. So how are you, Marco Rubio, and not doing that? Like how are you Arsenal and just consistently throwing away titles when you probably should have won at least a handful in the past few years? Yeah, I, it's kind of baffling um, because even as someone who kind of revels in the fact that Arsenal year in and year out disappoint. Oh um, yeah. I think it's hilarious, but uh, this year, even I started to believe partway through the season that uh, they're just too strong this year. They're yeah. no one is good enough. Um, no one around them is, is good enough to overtake them. They've just, they've been winning the tough games, you know, blah, blah. And uh, they still find ways to collapse. It's, I mean, it's, it's really unbelievable um, because they looked unstoppable uh, halfway through the season and it it just never fails year in and year out. They always find a way to collapse um, as, as the season gets on into the, uh, you know, the, the home stretch, they just, they, every year they find a way to, to completely blow it. And even I had started to believe that they weren't going to this year, but they, they still are, you know, they're going to let, I think as far as fan bases go, like obviously Liverpool fans will not be happy if Tottenham wins a title um, oh, yeah. more recently uh, than us. But obviously how devastating would that be for, for Arsenal fans? Concerned if if Tottenham win the league and um, finish above Arsenal for the first time in you know God knows how long, um, 
it'll I I can't even imagine what will happen on Arsenal fan TV. Um, it'll be like a live <laughs> murder. They they will they will literally go out like a movie, hunt down a Tottenham fan and execute them. That's what, I mean, like that's the next step. They're already insane. So yeah, they're all crazy. That's my big problem with Arsenal: not the team, not the way they're run. Because by all all sense of it, they they're they're a likable team, but the fan base is rabid and horrible and just. Un, completely unbearable in any form, in person, on social media, yeah. on TV. They're they're awful. It's so I, I I stick with my I want Leicester want Leicester to win, City to get second, yep. Tottenham can get third, right. Arsenal to get fourth, just so that I can see the fume of Tottenham finishing above Arsenal and United in fifth would just bring me plenty of joy Maybe. to have them wallow in the Europa League. A- perfect situation is and this is this is pie in the sky but this you know it's within the realm of possibility technically because we're still in this competition so the order of teams as you've said and then Liverpool wins the Europa League and takes Arsenal's place (laughs) in the Champions League I I think that would be Absolutely. That's fantastic. the dream. I think last time I said I hope Tottenham finish fourth so that we take our place. But you mentioned a great point in that the uh, I mean winning the league would be a meltdown for Arsenal fans. Yeah. But I would I would I don't want to see Tottenham win the league. No. So I would get more joy out of seeing them finish third and or second and Arsenal finishing fourth. Yeah. Um and then us having not only should hopefully will we crush United. Yeah. Uh but then propel us to a Champions League spot in spite of Arsenal. Right. So this uh, this last one I have on here. This was a this was a revelation from what you said earlier about about Jeb. Um, <laughs> and I think Chelsea is Jeb Bush because I can see that. by by all metrics, you would have thought. Beginning of the campaign, yeah, Jeb Bush is going to be, you know, amongst the top. He's going to yeah. be, he's going to be up there. Um, Potentially, he may, not win. he may not win, but he'll finish in the top, you know, top three, top four, um, just like he, did, you know, like the Bushes do every year. At least every four years, right? Well, you you get what I mean, but, but <laughs> Chelsea. Chelsea, I think, fit that exact mold because it was, it was an absolute disaster from the very beginning. Oh yeah, like it looked like, to be fine and everything's going to be fine, and then you know all of a sudden Jeb's not even, he's getting like straight up, you know, Ralph Nader numbers <laughs> in some of these states. Like it's a Chelsea. Chelsea was getting Ralph Nader numers yeah. for their results at the start of the year. Exactly. Um, so totally not a front runner for the title. They, there has been like a minor nuclear meltdown on Liverpool Twitter because now Chelsea's above us. Yeah. Above us. But it's important to note we have two games in hand, two games in hand. Yeah. So let's not get carried away. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they could very much finish ahead of us 
in the league. Yeah. And I, I would not be surprised if that happened at all. You know who another good analogy for Chelsea would be? Who's that? It, just in the way it's shaping up is Mitt Romney. Okay. So Mitt Romney recently had comments denouncing Donald Trump. And I was just like, Mitt Romney, go the fuck away. Just because the party's in shambles right now does not mean you get your, what, third shot, third <laughs> shot at it. So Chelsea is kind of like Mitt Romney in that they're, you know, they're, they're creeping up the table a little bit and they're just poking their head up there to see, uh, to see what everything is like, even though they, they're, they're not a realistic shot for, for anything at all. And so that, that was, that was the other one. I think Jeb Bush works, but Mitt Romney with his recent comments, right. just go the fuck away. You're that. awful. You're awful. And you deserve to be out of the race. <laughs> I'll buy that. Um, You're never really in it. Right. So yeah, as this super Tuesday is trucking along, it's looking more and more like, uh, like Donald Trump is going to win it. And, uh, for the Republicans and, and Hillary, even though Bernie collected, I think it's Vermont. Well, yeah, it's a state though. So that's right. I mean, young white people, young liberal, young white liberals love Bernie Sanders. Oh, they're feeling the burn. I was surprised African-Americans love Hillary. So I didn't, I didn't see that coming that she'd get it overwhelmingly. I thought Bernie kind of, whatever rapper he was up there with too, I figure he might. Yeah. But yeah, but now Hillary absolutely crushed it too. And I mean, that's, that to me is just all, all you need to know about the rest of the presidential race is that Hillary will, I, I, I've said from, from the very beginning, it was always going to be Hillary too. That, But then again, with Donald Trump, you have no fucking idea what could possibly happen the way this thing's gone. So, who knows? Maybe there's plenty of idiots out there, and I think they vastly outnumber the amount of rational. So speaking of rational human beings, um, <laughs> it seemed like very few of them existed following Liverpool's League Cup final loss to Manchester City. Um, Are you putting me in that? Are you putting me in that group with them? No, I'm not actually. <laughs> this is this is going to shock you. No. Um, so, <laughs> so my question first to start off before we get too down in the weeds about the League Cup final, I want to start with a broad question, just are people being too dramatic? Like I, I would say, I would say yes. Cause it's the capital one cup. And if it was any other team aside from those who are in it, everybody's looking at it. Like it, it matters. It's like barely above the community shield right. in terms of relevance. It's a major trophy and that's always good for Liverpool like any top clubs, the more you can rack up trophies, the bigger your trophy count. We were just, I was just getting into it with a United supporter. 
the other day and he was right. like, uh, you know, the whole Liverpool have won the premier league, you know, football wasn't invented and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, and that's important too. over. You know, if we're not just thinking this year, but for Klopp, Klopp didn't need it. I, I think the fans wanted something out of this year, whether or not we'll get, you know, all we have now is clinging to the Europa league. Uh, but no, I mean, it's a capital one cup. It, it matters very little. And it's actually maybe better off that we didn't, win it so that we don't have a place assured in the Europa league right. next year. But no, I mean, yeah, I think people definitely overreacted, but I, I felt I, I kind of let myself in with that group of people too, where I, I was pretty bummed that day and it could have been a, a hangover from the previous night or the amount of beer that we <laughs> drank at border city ale house. Um, so, you know, it was probably about 20, I'll give it about forty percent midday hangover and about sixty percent bummed about bummed about the loss too. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I, I want to say it doesn't matter. But you look at the you look at Sturridge and all the other players and Klopp's reaction too. And I I think they all wanted something out of it. Um, so yeah, I, if it matters to the players, it should matter to us. Um, right. Trophies are always important, but it's it's the Capital One Cup. If it was any other team nobody would would bat their eyes at it at all too so i i think there's definitely some overreaction but you know you feel you feel how you feel right. uh but it's not it's not a lingering sting like 13 14 was uh right. i think they're all pretty much over it and ready to move on to tomorrow yeah i think so i think as far as the league cup final goes it it it's not so much um it's not so much the disappointment in not winning a trophy because I understand that because yeah. from from where I was sitting I was I was gutted at the end of the game I was completely I was heartbroken um yeah. that we didn't win uh the league cup even though it is a you know it's a competition that on the grand scale does not mean a whole lot but when you have a chance to win a trophy you want to yeah. take it, and especially when it comes down to penalties, it's it it's difficult. It's it's absolutely the worst way to lose any any competition. Um, but I think the way that people are being overdramatic is not so much that because I understand the frustration about not winning a trophy, but I think the overreaction and the and the drama comes from people who put a considerable amount of weight into the cup final as far as performances go, where all of a sudden players should be sold on the back of their performance in the, in the league cup final, um, which that's, that's absurd. Um, you know, there's, I think, and I think that's where a lot of the overreaction came from was, if you don't perform in the cup final, then you're, you're no good at all. And, and you can't do any good for us. So, um, so I think that's where like looking at individual player performances, people didn't look at it as a game, um, you know, where players have good days, bad days. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't show up in this game, then you'll never show up in a, in a big game. So, um, People are ready to judge just based off of one day. 
I think you're spot on with that. Like, you know, whatever emotions you have are just going to be tied to, you know, feelings about the club or seeing the players. But I, I think you're spot on with the reactions to the players too. Like even the ones that we're going to talk about, like Minule, Moreno, Hendo, none of these, none of these are new questions that we're really asking. We've all asked the same questions before. And I, I think each one kind of had the weaknesses highlighted a little bit in that, that capital one cup. But the, the, the biggest one to me that I left thinking that's, that's it for that player. They're done is Benteke. So not right. being subbed into a, you know, league game, uh, a, a non-final in the FA cup, league cup or Europa leagues, one thing, but if you're what our second most expensive signing ever you're a striker and we're looking for a goal and you bring in you know the comparison between him and origi is origi is mostly you know on form he's got him but then he's also a lot of potential too and benteke right. should be that finished product that we paid for and expect goals from yeah so it's the trophy's on the line you need a striker and he brings on origi once origi came on that to me just said ben, benteke's done yeah. like even if it even if the writing was already on the wall I saw that and I think, okay, there's absolutely, if you're a 32 million pound striker and you can't get into the league cup final that lasts for two hours, right. then you're definitely, you, you're not fitting into this team. No. Uh, so I think, it, I think he'll definitely be gone in the summer. And it's actually a shame that a, a Chinese, that he didn't go for the Chinese club or whatever rumors about them actually trying to buy Benteke. That would have been perfect. We probably would have gotten our money back uh, and we can right. all, Pretended that it never happened and Villa will still be relegated um, and everything. <laughs> would be but yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Cause I think, I think especially when Benteke is probably our best penalty taker in the side right now. Um, and when Origi came on, it was, it was still one nil and you know, we were chasing a goal. So that's strike one and strike two is, um, you know, of the two strikers on the bench, you have Origi and Benteke. Um, like you said, one potential one should be you know, polished finished goal scorer. Um, so you're searching for a goal. That's strike one, and then strike two is in bringing him on. If you do get the goal, then there's a pretty good chance that eventually it's going to go to pens, and you're still leaving you know, that player on the bench because you don't trust him um, to get mm-hmm. it, to make a difference in, <laughs> like, in regular, uh, in, in open play. So, um, yeah, I think I think that pretty much said, uh, that move by, by Klopp pretty much said everything about, about Ben Teke. Um, and it, it, it's disappointing because whenever the club spends that amount of money, you want to see, you want to see them succeed. I like, I mean, at least from, from my perspective, there's no, and I think, I think you probably feel the same way. There's no, um, there's no one who you would want to see fail just because you didn't think that they were a good fit. Um, on our limited knowledge, you know, you put, you, you trust the club when they spend that amount of money. And uh, in this particular case, it it absolutely just came back to bite us, um, big time. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've pretty much seen the last of of Christian Benteke in red. 
and it, it's a, it's a scar for supporters of the club too because you know it it constantly gets brought up about oh you you know you guys paid you know 50 million pounds for Defy or who, whatever they paid for him or for right. Martial or players. Like, so it's always a talking point too. And it, it, it's a definite scar for the club and for supporters like Andy Carroll, Stuart Downing, those, those price tags haunt us too. And I think that's something that I kind of ranted on last night after I had a, you know, a couple Manhattans, but right. it, it, it's this notion that, you know, Klopp inherited a, a team that got to the cup final uh, and, and my kind of attitude was it, well, you know, bidding for Chelsea has now moved them above us in the league and he inherited a team too. And obviously the difference is the quality of players that are in that Chelsea squad, world-class right. players that have been, you know, underperforming. And you just can't say the same about ours. You, Lana Benteke came with world-class fees but it's just been so wasteful in terms of our our top spenders as well. So I think that's going to be the the biggest thing that we have to improve on. Whether it's and I think it did. I mean, it's been like this since since Kenny was still in charge and the decision to go all English, get a target man in the box and people who create chances from crosses. It it and the American ownership's like, okay, you know, we trust you guys. Go with it. There's got to be a change. There's already been one, but there's got to be changes in the way that the way that we're scouting and bringing in players too. And I think Klopp hopefully will have an impact on that, not just his ability to develop players, but to bring in people around him that can actually find the talent as well. Because I, I I don't think he was necessarily in charge of targeting or bringing in at at Dortmund. I mean, I think he probably played a part of it. Uh, but right. in terms of scouting youthful players, they've got they've got other people to bring them in. So you've got to have. You know, it's not football manager where you just hit hit a button, <laughs> they scout, and you you know like, oh, this kid's twenties is seventy eight. You know, they're 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 going to be studs. It it's a lot more complex than that too. So it's we definitely have to change. And I I think Klopp's on the right track. Just the the level the caliber of players that we're being linked to now, where before it was kind of signed Royce and it was a joke, and now it's like, well, we got Klopp, so you know, all these top German players could actually become a reality too. And in that case, like Firmino too, like I don't, some people question the signing, but I think you and I and other people that were a little bit more familiar with them were extremely excited about it. Benteke on the opposite end, you, you, you've seen him play before and you know that that's, that's not a good fit. Then he signs, he goes through. So you watch the YouTube clips, you get yourself psyched up and think maybe it's going to work out. Um, for obvious reasons, it it hasn't. So yeah, Benteke on the way out, and there's there's got to be an overhaul in the terms of who's making the decisions to bring talent talent in as well. Right. So, so let's let's talk about the players that generated the most conversation, I guess, in in the final. So first, <laughs> Simon Mignolet at at the forefront again. Um, due to the soft goal, I'll say, that he conceded to Fernandinho, the opener, in the final. That's putting it, that's putting it mildly for Mignolet yeah. on that one. Yeah. Oh, I, it, so, um, so Mignolet, f- I mean, first and foremost, he, I will say in his defense, that the game, 
would not have gone to penalties without some good interventions. Oh, yeah. Um, but I would say that those, for the most part, um, there was maybe a couple saves in there that were, uh, that would be considered, you know, good saves. Um, mm-hmm. But then a couple of them, balls hit straight at him, even from point blank range. I think oh, yeah. there was one from Aguero in, in extra time little... where it was a, a really good save. Yeah. Um, but you know, that game doesn't reach, doesn't reach penalties without him. but it also, all things being equal, doesn't it, reach penalties. It wouldn't have reached, yeah. it wouldn't have gone to 120 minutes had he not, uh, let in the, the opener. Um, yeah. so I think, I think what we already knew, um, about I think what we already knew about Mignolet and that's that he need we need to sign another keeper. Mm-hmm. Um I think we already knew that and I think that was already being worked on. I don't think that's anything new. Um but do you think we we should be signing someone who's a clear first choice with Mignolet as a backup or should we be signing like competition for Mignolet because he's had we've we've been in the situation before where he gets dropped so it's and sometimes there's an improvement but it's it's the same back and forth kind of scenario so I don't think competition's the answer what you need is somebody that is not going to give up that first goal like that's the thing about being a really good keeper is that yeah you can make great saves but you can't make mistakes either. And you can't, you know, players like De Gea, for example, and that might be unfair because he's arguably the best in the world, but that's, I mean, if you're Liverpool, that's what, if you want to win titles, you need one of the top goalkeepers in the world. Um, or at, at the very least, you've got somebody who's not error prone. And that's, that's been haunting us where, whether it's our defenders or whether it's our goalkeeper, you make errors there and it's going to cost you points or in this case, it's going to cost you, uh, the, the title. So you've got to have a player that, and I don't, I don't know, because there's always same thing for De Gea. There's always going to be a learning curve. The same could be argued about Moreno and defenders, but there's always going to be a learning curve, uh, or an adjustment period for goalkeepers or most players too. So it's, that's why I worry, um, about like bringing Ward in straight away. I thought he was better, better kept um, out where in Scotland or whatever, because yeah. he, he's going to come in. And the second you make a mistake, it's, oh, we're back to that. And and I, I see a lot of parallels between that and the kind of Moreno Flanagan situation where we're highlighting, highlighting weaknesses or negatives. And we're kind of looking at all these other options who I don't think we're taking the time to think about what is actually going to happen whenever they came in uh, with Ward, we don't know, but with Flanagan, it's, he's been there before, you know, and he was a great kind of fill for us during that season. And he was around, you know, Suarez and Sturridge. And so you might not have to be as offensively minded, um, but he, he was skinned routinely off the dribble. And that's considering that he was better positionally in, in, in the tackle than Marino might be. 
but I think we're viewing both positions as in, well, we, we've got this now. There's got to be something better out there. Um, and, I, and I don't think all the fans are prepared to, uh, to deal with whatever is actually going to happen whenever we bring in a goalkeeper or whether we find a replacement in Flanagan or, or somebody else at left back. Yeah, I think uh, speaking of Moreno, um, I think I think the thing that makes most people um, criticize him is he's often involved in, I guess, situations where he doesn't make what are perceived as good decisions. So I think uh, the Aguero penalty shout um, being one of Mm -hmm. them, they see, oh, he just, you know, he gets beat and he just sticks a leg out and doesn't make a good challenge and, you know, leaves himself open to a potential uh, penalty situation or um, where he's caught out of position but I think it doesn't it doesn't really take into account the fact that Moreno is involved in almost every attack that we <laughs> that we formulate. We literally don't get forward without playing the ball to Moreno at some yeah. point um, in the move. And um, he was basically in this in this particular match. I'd I'd be interested to see like his average position because it seemed like he was basically in Coutinho's pocket. Yeah, for the entirety of the match, um, because they needed they needed numbers down down the left because they weren't mm-hmm. city had basically closed off the middle of the field completely. So, um, when they were searching for space, they needed they needed bodies, and he was all always on the overlap, and and we know that the way city play, um you're always going to see guys like Clichy and Sonya get forward and um, play in attacking areas as well. So when Moreno is caught forward, there's suddenly, you know, two players behind him. Um, yeah. And so he's always going to be chasing back. And he, he is a guy who loves, who loves a, uh, a little bit of a wild tackle, but I think Flanagan <laughs> does too. Oh, yeah. And and I think I, I think uh I think it's easy when Moreno's been out there all season um and Flanagan like and this is no no knock against Flanagan but Flanagan's been hurt so mm-hmm. he hasn't had the opportunities to show the mistakes or make the mistakes um yeah. where Moreno has literally played damn near every single fucking game for us this season. Um, him and Klein, uh, you oh, know, with yeah. Smith filling in here and there in the cups, but um, that's the only respite for Moreno. So when, whenever he, when you play week in and week out like that, you just open yourself up to, um, you know, one mistake turning into two mistakes. And then it's, Oh, he makes mm-hmm. a mistake every single week. And then it turns into, oh, he's a shit defender. And then it turns into, why does he even play for us? Um, <laughs> and it just like snowballs to the point where it just it gets out of control. And mm-hmm. 
And I think it highlights, number one, how good Nathaniel Klein is. He's freaking brilliant. Yeah, um, that, that is still an unbelievable signing. Like, he's – yeah, we're set. We're set right back for God knows how long. And he's he's amazing because we never talk about him. Like, everything he does – is so assured improved he's actually improved offensive end lately too like he looked good he has city in previous matches like he looks trying to beat sterling off the dribble and all and sterling's not not a difficult you know winger to to kind of go on the offensive tack against too because he does he does track back and he does he he is quick enough to to defend but oh, Klein's been—he's been so good defensive. Like I've never seen, you know, Glenn Johnson at at his peak was amazing too. But he's not like Klein is another level. Like yeah, he's one of the best. He's what you ask for, and and I think this is the criticism against Moreno. Klein kind of understands the balance a little bit, where right. it's more on um, part. I'm mostly defender, but I'm going to link up and attack. But I, again, I don't know if it's, if it's Moreno that's saying like, fuck it, I'm, I'm bombing forward. It, it can't be. Otherwise he wouldn't be out there with, uh, and I don't know if Smith was injured or not, but he wouldn't be out there. Right. Like Klopp wouldn't leave him on the pitch. If he's telling him that no, I need you to stay back and defend. I think he, he that's the way it's designed. And we've talked about it in, in detail, how you can have balance, in the wingback positions too. And that's, that's why Moreno has Moreno and Manuel has already been there, but Moreno's now reached the kind of skirtle lover effect where any, any positive is negated heavily by uh, the negatives that people have already perceived too. And, and, and they're legitimate too. Like I, I've defended Moreno as much as anybody, right? Because I think in terms of attack and he's in all season, he's been arguably, the best attacking left back in the premier league. He's definitely been our, one of our best creators and who's he creating Benteke and injured strikers as well. So can you imagine Moreno linking up with uh, a fit Coutinho, Sturridge and Suarez all season? So, but, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't. And I think that his role is, is leaving him vulnerable to a lot of the criticisms now. Um, And, and and we'll see. I could I could be dead wrong. You know, Carragher Carragher thinks we need an upgrade. Most of the fans think we need an upgrade at left back. I don't think Flanagan is an upgrade. And I think they're like we've talked about before. I think there are only a handful in, in the world out there right now that I would take over Moreno. So I think his positionally, you can you can fix that, right? You can coach that. But like right. speed, creative ability, those are things that Flanagan doesn't have, and you can't you can't coach those. Um, no. So I think Moreno is still our best bet. Not not a pun going forward, but at at the left back position. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I think like we've talked about in the past, it's it's not even a case of you know you can say that we need an upgrade, but it also then depends you know how much are you willing to spend on on a left back and. Um, oh, yeah. You know, if you're willing to, if you're willing to drop another 25, 30 mil and get, and get yeah. Ricardo Rodriguez or, um, you know, a, a top class left back, then, then mm-hmm. that's fine. 
but you then have to take what comes with that, which is the first time that he gives away a free kick in a bad position or the first time that he, uh, you know, gives the ball away um, when he's forward, then all of a sudden we're going to be back to square one of why do we spend 30 million on a left back who is giving <laughs> us the same thing that Moreno was giving yeah. us, you know? Um, so I think, I think it's a, uh, it's a, I mean, it's a balance of obviously, you know, cost benefit, but in this case, you know, is the 30 million we spend on a, on a left back to the potential detriment of other positions. Does that, does that, yeah. uh, does that give us, back, you know, any added value? Left back's not our need, you know. Center, even with Matip coming in, uh, I I think we need somebody in the ilk of like company. I mean that that is going to end. Uh, Lucas's performance against City at center back was was incredible. I mean he was he and Klein were by far our best players on the pitch. And for Lucas to slot in there has extended his his life in the LFC first team probably by a couple of years. But I he's I don't think that's I mean maybe maybe he is, but I don't think Lucas is the answer that we want consistently game in, game out at center back. Right. I think it's an incredible option now that we have that. Um, given the way that one his ability to organize and what's been even more impressive is his ability to dominate in the air, which I didn't see right. coming at all. It's like skirtle, but without without the mistakes. So in terms <laughs> of where we're at right now, I think Lucas is our, you know, I, I love Sacco, and I'll put him over Lucas every day of the week. And I think he started to show a little bit more of his old form after coming back from injury. So it, it, it sucks to see him to see him go out and fuck whatever website yeah. that was that was like, Sacco lost the plot. Just oh yeah. That that's that I haven't had enough Negro Modellos to go into that rant. But <laughs> but if you've got a million, you can buy like there are so few left backs in the I think the center backs are more plenty, not yeah. in the realm of company, but I think you can get closer and that's that's gonna be a bigger need for us, and that's a more important position on the pitch if you want moreno to defend better tell him not to go forward we might be a little bit stagnant but i mean if that you have to weigh you know what are what are the weaknesses do we need to score goals or do we need to keep from conceding goals and i mean against city one one it i mean it's just i I thought it was a good match by both teams that city's a good squad and so to concede one goal it right in the in the goal that we did concede was a matter of Moreno being too far forward. So yeah, you know, and well, then he and has I, to track back, and that's going to happen with anybody that's our left back. Right, and I think I think with that match, it it honestly highlighted. I think it highlighted our midfield far more than it highlighted. Oh yeah, our um, our defense. I think our I think our defense acquitted themselves pretty well and like we like you said like Lucas put in a hell of a shift mm-hmm. um but I think if anything that game um highlighted the fact that we we struggle to connect our our sequences of play and um I'm not going to put it all down 
to one player or another. I think the players that we have in midfield can and have been been very good. Um, but I think we have one one midfielder in particular, our our captain, Jordan Henderson, who's going through a little bit of a rough patch um, coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so first question and the one that the one that generated a ridiculous amount of of just absurd rhetoric and and uh just the craziest fans coming out of the woodwork to um <laughs> to have a go but <laughs> does Jordan Henderson not taking a penalty bother you I want to say yeah Okay. Because I think I can't remember who it was, but Sturridge makes sense for not taking one. Um, but it only bothers me. Like Hendo's not a consistent penalty taker. Like I don't know, but it bothers me if our captain cannot take a penalty. It bothers me even more that we have we're struggling to find players that can. When we should, you know, we had so many that were <laughs> unbelievable right. at him. Uh, but no, I mean, I like given Henderson, like why? There's no reason for Henderson not to be a decent penalty taker. Like I think he's got a, a good attitude towards it. I think he's got skill to do it, and that's you know, any player should, any off midfield or offensive minded player should be able to take a penalty. A lot of that situation comes down to mindset, especially under pressure. So I think that tells us a little bit about the captain. And I, and that, that brings us into the other question too, but I want, I want our captain, especially now, if it's a center back, then, you know, don't, don't go near, if you're Sako, don't go near that penalty spot. And if you right. have, you know, Milner going fifth, that makes sense. Right. Whether or not you want your best one, Waiting until the end is one thing. I think it's more important for them to go early on. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm. It doesn't upset me if Hendo's crap that he didn't take it, but it would upset me if he is crap because he needs to have that mindset where I'm going to pick the ball up, I'm going to walk up there, and I'm going to put my team ahead. So right. that and it by every other measure, it would seem that Henderson does have that mentality, and that's why I right. like him as captain. So it, it, it does surprise me if he's not, if he shied away from it, um, or if he shies away from it in general. Right. Yeah. My, uh, my one minor issue, uh, with, with Hendo not taking a penalty is the incident last year when he, um, got very upset when Balotelli took, took a pen off of him, um, in a, in a league game. Yeah, uh, when yeah, like Ballo like walked up and took the ball. Um, Hendo tried to get it off <laughs> him, and yeah. and he was like, "No, I'm taking this." Which really, Balotelli should have been taking the pens. He's a you know he's one of the best penalty takers in Europe. Like yeah. all thing, you know, all other things, um, you know, taking that out of consideration, all of his insanity, but. Um, yeah, the other thing that that kind of bothered me is um is that you have Emery Chan 
who he's German, so he's got you know a marked advantage there um, <laughs> as far as penalty taking ability. Yeah, but you have you have one of the youngest players on the field grabbing the ball for the first penalty of a of a cup mm-hmm. final, and then not only to take it, but then to do a panenka and take it with just supreme confidence. Like never once he just sent the keeper the wrong way, chipped it, chipped it into the, into the left, uh, left side of the goal. And for everyone else to walk up there, like it was just this monumental task, um, Mm -hmm. that they, you know, just couldn't, couldn't possibly, um, meet i think that was i think that was tough to see because well like you said you know with the best best penalty taker um going early i think i think once chan scored and fernandinho missed i thought that milner should have gone then immediately yeah just put and because then it's all about the pressure is immense if you go if you're down two and you miss and you're that second penalty taker and you miss, right. then you're thinking there's there's no way back from it as right. well. And I think that that was a problem with Milner going last and for yeah. I, no problem with Coutinho, Lucas, anybody who stepped up, Lalana, anybody who steps up to take it, you know, I'm not gonna right. slate them for for missing it. But you can slate players for not stepping, stepping up. up. Like yeah. and I think going Going fifth is a horrible, horrible move. If you're a confident penalty taker, then if you're going to do anything, go third, right? That's a crucial, pivotal right. kind of time. First or third is a crucial or pivotal time to take. When when would Gerard have gone up, do you think? I think so. If I remember correctly, um, I'm trying to think of, of shootouts that Gerard's been in. Um, but I think... In, I want to say in 06, when they won the FA Cup against West Ham, I want to say he went second or third, like yeah. right there in the middle. Um, and same goes for the 2012 League Cup, even though he did miss um, mm-hmm. in that particular competition. I think, uh, I think he went, I think he went third. Um, but that was also, I mean, it's interesting, like you said, for a team that historically is pretty fantastic in penalty shootouts, um, we've really, we've really kind of lost that ability as a club, um, going from the likes of, of Gerard, Cout, Alonso to, um, you know, Emre Chan is your first, is your first taker. Yeah. Um, and you have Lucas, you know, Lucas and, uh, and, you know, Milner's going to take the decisive penalty. That's, that's quite a, quite a different lineup. Um, but and that's it, what you're expecting, you're expecting Hendo, I feel like to get up there. Yeah. And if he was ever in the position where he's the captain and the club's penalty taker, why, why are you not in in that running right there too, especially like just the way Coutinho and Lalana walked up. There's no, there's no sense of confidence. And I think Lalana, like no. the ball fell away from her. So I had to go like, I was just there, like, Oh, <laughs> I knew, I knew he was going to miss because you see that and you're like, oh my they kicked God. the ball out to him and he didn't, 
control it. Yeah, it was and like, like, I mean, if you're playing, you're like, just oh, too shit. nervous. Like, just that little hesitation is is what really makes or breaks penalties. And you know, you want that's what you want Hendo to go up there, grab the ball, put it in the back of the net. Um, well, right. I got to give props to Jose because Chan walks up there and Jose looks and he goes like Panenka or whatever. And I was like, you get the fuck out of here. There's no player <laughs> that's going to go up very first kick in a cup final and do that. And Chan just does it. And we, we yeah. lost it. We lost it too. So, so props to Jose for, uh, for calling that one before it happened. Yeah. I think, uh, I credit to Emory Chan. Cause I mean, that takes massive balls, just oh, gigantic like, I don't balls. Know how, how you can play football with balls that size. Right. Like, you, like how can he run? He's um, got to have some type of system where he tucks them. <laughs> but, um, but I think it also, um, like that should have given the other Liverpool players like ridiculous confidence going into their, oh, yeah. going into their penalty because they're like, okay, Emre's just put us in the lead. If you're the next penalty taker, you just smash it. Like there's no, like don't, you don't have yeah. to be cute anymore because they've shown, you know, Emre's done that. Now you just have to pick a spot and put your foot through the ball. Like, yeah. And that, had and Lallana that gone second and taken that same penalty, it probably would have gone in the way he approached. But then right. what, but Coutinho goes up there and does, I uh, hate, can they need to outlaw the stutter? The stutter One, because stutter. I think it's bullshit. For yeah. both the penalty taker and the goalkeeper as well. Right. So, I mean, you better be very fucking precise if you go up there, stutter, wait a little bit, and then kick it because that's going to go slow. Right. And if the and Coutinho's was it was a horrible penalty too, but you know, not yeah, not to slight him for going up there and trying it, but you know, what you I need to just go up there and smash it. About Coutinho's though, and not many people said this after, but and I know it's never called. But when Coutinho stuttered, um, Caballero did come off his line, and it should have Go been forward. retaken. But yeah. that they never call that. They never call it, um, especially in a shootout. Um, yeah, they never do that. But uh, now that w- that would be crushing if they actually <laughs> for Caballero to if they call him and it goes and then that that's stuff to come back from as a keeper. Oh yeah. Um, but no, it was it was disappointing not to see not to see Henderson in that position, and I think it's been kind of disappointing um, in general regarding Jordan Henderson recently, just because he hasn't his range of passing when he got oh, hurt yeah. versus now are two very different things. He was completing passes all over the place. He was, you know, be able to spray the ball to both flanks and play long range, you know, he almost Gerard like passes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and since his injury, he just hasn't ever, he hasn't mm-hmm. really regained that at any point. And a lot of times I find him, I'm like watching the game and I see him just giving away, giving away the ball in bad spots or um, just unable to complete the passes, which would have seemed pretty routine um, before his injury. So 
is do you think he's playing through the pain to the detriment of the team right now? Um, Or is he just kind of in his own head about, uh, about his form? There's definitely a, a a drop in form and that, you know, is going to impact the team. But I think the main thing is that with his drop in form, there's really, this is what people are bringing up between Chan, between Henderson and between Milner. There's not enough range for that to be our three primary midfielders where they're all kind of operating in a similar, similar role. And especially it's Milner a little bit different, but Chan and Henderson, they haven't, they haven't linked up well, even though they're two of the closest people together on the pitch. And it it just seems like it's almost like a wasted position where you could have, rather than have Hendo there who hasn't provided anything. And we said this about Milner, like Milner should not be the one that we're clinging to, to provide creativity and to provide goals. And we have been like, when we're thinking about who do we need to sub off, it's always Milner because he doesn't play that well throughout the entire 90 minutes, but he has provided decent crosses, decent creativity and goals and Henderson. And I think Chan provides a little bit more in terms of his passing, but he hasn't provided the assist or goals either as regularly as Milner. So I think the, the detriment to Henderson's form is that he's so one dimensional lately that he doesn't have the ability to open up space for other players. And we you think about Firmino and Sturridge running in space, that's exactly when you need Hendo and those players have been back and he still hasn't, he still hasn't shown a kind of spike in his form either too. So maybe, maybe it is down to playing through the pain and that's that to me screams Henderson that he doesn't want, he doesn't want to give up that spot. Same for Sacco. It's not that they're losing the plot that, you know, you want to go out there and perform as well, but it's tough when you're the, the other question you wrote too, you know, should Henderson, who's not our best player be captain? I don't think you don't have to be the best player to be the captain, but you do have to be within that, within that talking point of one of the best players on the team. And he hasn't been lately and he hasn't been providing it. So he, he does have, I think he does have leadership qualities, but, lately i mean that can only take you so far if your position is kind of null and void which it has been lately yeah i think i think for henderson as captain we saw last season his pinnacle as captain so far Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's not to say he can't regain this but we saw the stretch of games which included um the City game at Anfield, the two one, mm-hmm. um, which I think that's one of his best performances. Uh, you know, the goal obviously it was yeah. absolutely amazing, but um, he put in a great performance in midfield, and uh, and then the next week against West Brom, he scored the winner, and all last season Henderson kind of popped up when Liverpool needed a goal he would he would pop up in the right place at the right time, edge of the area, or make that run into the box and and he scored some really important goals for them. Um and I think that's what you want from a captain. You don't 
he doesn't need to be the best player on the field. He doesn't he doesn't even need to be like among the best players, but he needs to be yeah. impactful. So when the team needs a goal or the team needs a a, a big play, um, a good pass, uh, you know, an assist, whatever, that's that's when you want the captain to pop up because you don't need Steven Gerrard necessarily as your captain. You don't need, you know, one of the greatest midfielders um, ever to play in England, but you need, you need someone who's going to make an impact when your team needs you. And I think that's what was so disappointing about Henderson and in this game in particular is you want your captain to lead by example. Um, Even though he may not be the best player, he's certainly not the best goal scorer. You know, that's, we leave that for the mm-hmm. the Sturges, Firmino's, Coutinho's of the world. But um, I think in that game, you want Henderson to to grab it, you know, take basically grab the bull by the horns, like kind of take control of that game, and and guide us to victory. And in the end, him not taking a penalty kind of shows, mm-hmm. you know, that. The direction the overall performance, yeah, yeah. The direction of the team is just not really there because if the captain's not stepping up to take a penalty, then you know that's why you have, um, mm-hmm. you know, Lalana taking one, and um, that yeah. we one of the first things we talked about early this season was the captaincy, and we don't have, I think. If Sako would be more consistent, that's that's kind of like an obvious choice for a captain or vice captain. Yeah. But Milner in his first season as vice captain, like we don't have a lot to choose from. I think the way Chan carries himself, and if he could perform more consistently, he would be another obvious choice. Maybe in a year or two right. to take it over as well. But I, I mean, I think we've got a really good captain in Henderson. I don't think Milner should have ever been made vice captain. Um, no. And it, it should change next year. Um, and it, I, because there are I a lot think of others. Too. Yeah. Like even the way, you know, Lucas is, you know, he was kind of out of favor a little bit early on, but that's one, he could, you could argue that he's a more appropriate candidate for captain than Henderson is, uh, and far more appropriate as vice captain than Milner is. But again, too, you've got captain's got to be something that somebody that's always in the starting 11 right. and maybe Lucas continues as our best center back as he's shown <laughs> maybe in about a game or two. And, and that continues, but uh, you know, he's, he he's it. not. Yeah. I mean, it's only going to last for so long, like everything yeah. else, but, but yeah, it, you've got to have somebody that is kind of like Henderson too, the way he's been playing is not, and even we were going over potential 11s for Liverpool. I think your potential 11 called for starting 11s with both Milner and Henderson out of it at some point. This is early <laughs> on, but yeah. you've got to have, it, it should never be a question like, like a Coutinho talent wise, you know, you could argue maybe, you know, I think Coutinho's our best player, but you know, let's say we brought in somebody else and he's not our best player. He's that level of consistent and in, in talent where they're in the start. If they're fit, they're in the starting 11. Um, right. And maybe Henderson's not fit, but, you know, like you said, the way he's been performing lately, 
you could easily call for him to be dropped from the 11 and it, there's no shame. in if he's injured taking a little bit more time, but we've been hurting for injuries lately. But at this point in the season, bring in some of the younger kids as well, get healthy, yeah. heal up. Don't play as many games, save yourself for let's say the Europa league. And then right. that way you can have a greater impact uh, or games like tomorrow, which I think would be important for the league and important for morale. Like, right. If he is injured or carrying a knock, then manage it a little bit more closely. We're not in the running for top four. We're not going to get top four. I don't want to get fifth. <laughs> so put the kids, you know, we've got a lot of young, talented midfielders uh, that could use that could use a time out there too. So if Henderson's yeah. not fit, then just, you know, there's nobody else sure, that's going to come close to him at this point. Brandon. Yeah, nobody's going to challenge, is going to step up and say, oh, you know, they're, that's Henderson's spot taken. Um, right. It'd be great if somebody did, but he's not in danger of losing <laughs> his spot or his captaincy. So yeah. just if it's fitness, rest up, play in the important matches and give, give the other kids a shot. Yeah. Um, and then just last, I wanted to talk uh, about, about our attackers. So um, sadly in this, in this particular match, um, we had a case of, of Sturridge and Firmino not really, not really finding their way um, mm-hmm. in the match, and we could say that that Sturridge was cramping towards the end. But um, yeah, and and I tweeted during the game, or maybe I guess right after, I uh, I tweeted that I I hate I hate to say this, but Firmino uh, coming off. Uh, made Liverpool look a lot better. Once Origi replaced yeah, him, they looked was. they looked head and shoulders better. He was um, struggling towards the end. Yeah. And uh he just he never really got into the game. And mm-hmm. I can't really say what it was necessarily, aside from he just maybe had an off day. Um but him and Coutinho and Sturridge seemed all on different different wavelengths like throughout the game never really linking up never really um never really showcasing the partnership that everyone's kind of hoping to see uh between yeah. especially now with with Sturridge healthy um mm-hmm. so with with this front 3 um and Origi kind of showcasing uh what he what he can bring to the table despite his his uh i guess lack of lack of finishing um he could have been if he would have hit that header oh he could have been the hero yeah i I thought yeah it, it a lot of it kind of starts and ends with the defensive performance the city was unbelievably organized their back four. And I don't know how many times Firmino Sturridge got caught off sides, but they were unbelievably yeah. organized. Anytime Firmino Sturridge picked the ball up and they did, they had to drop back a lot more to actually link up with them too. And that goes back into the creativity uh, or lack thereof or players like Henderson, uh, Chan and Milner. Uh, but every time the Coutinho, not as much Coutinho, but Firmino or Sturridge touched the ball, two defenders on him. Every single yeah. time, or if they tried to make a run, they were in a position where City's defenders organized and caught them off sides 
Right. Uh, and credit to our defense too. I think we we marked Aguero really well. Uh, we, we, not just L- Lucas did an unbelievable job on him, and I thought he would have carved him yeah. to pieces. But uh, both both squads did well defensively, and I think they just you know we had a mistake where we were caught up. But that looked like City's game plan from the start uh, was that they weren't they were lo- weren't looking to bomb forward. They were going to try to get creativity out of uh, Silva and Aguero. But just organized with a solid back four, and then you know, for the most part, I think what Fernandinho and others did a, a great job of kind of protecting that that organized back line. So you can't. This is not what I would judge the Firmino and Sturridge partnership on, but no. I was a little nervous whenever Sturridge came back into the squad because Firmino is so good as the sole attacker. And the question I kind of posed in one of our earlier podcasts was, is he good enough if he doesn't link up with Sturridge? Is Firmino good enough in that role to be our lone attacker? Are we going to get enough goals and assists out of a team where you've got Firmino leading the attack? I don't if it's a false nine or whatever, just a, a, a straight up striker. That's something I'm, I'm unsure of, but we just haven't had enough time to. And I won't judge the Sturridge and Firmino partnership on that that city display because their defense was unbelievable. Right. Maybe they can, you know, can clock crack it, and we'll see how it performs on Wednesday. I don't think we'll see Sturridge, but you know, Firmino's all of a sudden brilliant, and Sturridge is off the pitch. Then that, I mean, we we got a lot of questions going forward, yeah. and it's not an easy solution of, you know if it was like Suarez or another player, you're like, Oh yeah. You know, if they're better without him, then that's who you go with. But for me, no, we still have to see if he's, if he can be the kind of the point of the spear in our attack for him. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the, the three, um, the main three of, of Coutinho and Firmino and, and Sturridge will, I think they'll benefit big time from a full, off season, um, mm-hmm. now obviously Sturridge will be. Uh, I'm sure he'll be headed to the Euros, and um, Phil and Bobby <laughs> will be off to the uh, no, the I'm Copa not, America. But I'm, I'm not ready for a Sturridge Euros injury yet. No, I mean it's on the way. Every time he looks at Roy Hodgson, his like. His knee just buckles. I think Roy Hodgson has a Sturridge voodoo doll. He must, right? I mean, it's been been wild. Every time he goes on England training, he gets hurt. He hasn't been for, you know, like a year now. So, um, Every time he drops. When he was cramping up, we're like, oh, that's... Dude, I thought he was going right off there. like six or seven times. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right. It was fun while it lasted. He lasted like four games. <laughs> Stuart, you look good. Go back and take a rest or whatever. Yeah. That's what I remember a time, you know, just a couple years ago when uh, Daniel Sturridge was not uh, the linchpin. And I now am remembering the fact that in 1314, he. He was hurt, like actually quite a bit, but yeah, no one ever noticed it. because we yeah. had Suarez, so it didn't matter. 
you've got Iron Man Suarez up there who, who know, and this could be die. something that credit to uh, Wade Berger called this years ago, I think, the pending mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, Barca, but Suarez has always been uh, just, in, you know, unbreakable. Right. But the uh, PDs or HEDs or whatever it is uh, starting to come out a little bit at Barca. So old Uh-oh. Wade Berger, the originator of Bar 90, called that right. some time ago too. But that's that's a conversation for, for another day. We'll focus on the corruption in FIFA before we get into <laughs> one, of best, one of the best sides of all time. Right. So, um, so to talk bright spots, I thought there were a few, but two of them were obviously Coutinho, um, goal scorer. I will say I celebrated that goal about as, about as like vigorously as I've celebrated a goal in a long time. I wish I could have been on the broadcast for your react. We were going crazy. There's something about a Coutinho goal that just fills you with joy. And I think yeah. it's the the type of goals that he scored. But that one was just, uh, it was exactly what we needed, right? Just right. A, a chance fell to him, finished it off. Unbelievable. What, like the 80, 80th, 82nd, 80th, 83rd, something like that. Just perfect timing. And I thought we had him yeah. on the back heel too. I thought we oh. were... Especially after Origi came on, I the way he was moving, the way he was kind of opening himself up, I thought I thought we had it. And then towards yeah. the last last few minutes of the hundred and twenty, uh, City kind of took the onus back on, and that might have right. actually impacted the way the penalties went. But yeah, I mean, it was a good it was a good Cup final, and you know, congrats to City. They played they out they outplayed us. We could have both teams could have easily had a claim to win it. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, it went to penalties and they, their class outshone a little bit more than what we had to. And that, that tells a lot about the team when you've got players that you're spending X amount of money on and you're struggling to find somebody to take a penalty in, in right. a cup final. So a lot of changes more, but now that, I mean, plenty of positives too. I think yeah, you can look at this team and you can see, I think we played really, I think we played well against city Two, every player out there. I think Moreno and Mignolet caught the brunt, the brunt of it. Henderson a little bit too, but right. we look good. I mean, I think we linked up yeah. well, we pass it well, we press well, we defended well. Uh, and that hasn't been the case all season. So, no. you know, whatever changes come are fine, but I've always maintained that we've got some talent in the squad, yeah. whether it's a first 11 talent or <laughs> back up for next season. Right. Um, but no, I think uh, I think looking at towards the end of the game, obviously Coutinho, I think played well uh, throughout, but um, but I think I think Origi is really emerging as as a potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's moving from that that kind of gray area of. You know he's got he's got something. He's a little rough around the edges. I think he's he's kind of starting to move into that. He could really be a first team player. Um, he's playing with confidence too. Later. He's playing yeah. with a lot of confidence. There's a moment 
maybe halfway through the season or something where he took a touch or played a certain way. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I hadn't seen yeah. that side of Riggy before. And every time he can, and against city too, he looked like, you know, that he's willing to take players on. He's willing to go. Like we said before, like just have a, have a crack, have a pop of goal. We needed, we've needed that for a while too, but you have right. to have the ability to actually free up the space. So a definitely a bright spot. And I think, um, Again, that that's the type of player that we need to find. Why yeah. we get better at finding ten million pound players than twenty five to thirty million pound players is beyond me. But I mean, there's some there's some in the squad too. So yeah. I really want moving forward. I want to hopefully see Sturridge fit, and right. that that's going to determine a lot of where our off season moves lie. Like we don't have thirty million to spend on <laughs> a center back, but if the Sturridge Firmino partnership doesn't work out then we have to ask a lot of questions about what direction are we going in in terms of how our attack is is forming up and if that's the case then i think it's i uh, never in a million years would it would you have heard me say sell Sturridge due to his fitness or injuries but if he can't connect with Firmino whenever he is on the pitch then then we've got we got to take a second look at it maybe that'll make yeah. jose happy <laughs> um, but no, no, still a lot of, it, it's a shame that you've spent X amount of money and you still got a lot of question marks on the team, but right. the fact that we've got Klopp in and we can <laughs> be happy the remainder of the season and years moving forward is right. that you've got somebody that, you know, we're going to be able to solidify who, who our 11 is and what direction the team is going. Um, yeah. he's already put a stamp on it, but that'll, once you get more and more players in that, that fits his system, you're going to find it even more too. Yeah. And I think when you look at this last game in the context of a game against Manchester city, rather than the league cup final, um, and you look at a one, one, uh, in which we limited opportunities for, for Aguero and, um, and really like, Defended pretty well from set pieces. Defended, um, defended decently well uh, in general. Closed down a lot of the space. I think like if you look at that performance in the league, if that's a one-one mm-hmm. and they defend that well, I I think you chalk it up. All right, oh, like that's a good that's a good positive. result. Um, and uh, yeah, I think. I think for tomorrow, I I hope we beat the ever living piss out of them. Um, but I got a good feeling about tomorrow. What do you, you got? Any predictions for tomorrow? So I think um, just going historically because I think this kind of, same kind of situation happened um, a few years ago after a uh, would it have been. A cup final against Chelsea, where we we played them, the and then one? was that the FA Cup? I don't know, but a few years ago we played them, and then we played them in the league right out. It must have been the League Cup, but um, yeah, and uh, we beat them four one, and uh, it's completely unexpected result, you know, kind of thing. And it was, where was this in the, in the cup? But, 
Uh, I yeah. think I think we might see a similar result. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three one. Three one for Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's. I'm gonna go two one to Liverpool. Okay. Not no idea who the goal scorer is. Coutinho. Yeah, me neither. I'll say Origi. Origi with the opener. Coutinho with the winner, or vice versa. Okay. But I'm gonna call a Sterling goal as well. Oh man. For City. I think Hashtag narrative. We we dodged we dodged some bullets there of oh. it being because if Sterling would have finished if he wouldn't have been as shit as he is if he would have finished either of those just perfect chances that he had oh man then I I don't even know what this pod would be like there would be a level of fume that I don't think I've oh, hit yeah. before but uh, I wouldn't have any hair left I'd have pulled it all out. <laughs> Just, new fresh cut, but uh, no, I think uh, a Sterling goal tomorrow I can deal with, so long as we pick up the win. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I don't know. I, I think I think, I think we, Liverpool wins, pulls out the win though. I think for sure. Okay. I don't know I'm if we can. Wood just in case, but yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm probably uh, I'll probably broadcast that one too because I'm uh. I'm a bum now. I have no job, so. <laughs> I mean, you're still employed. Well, yeah. For the next month, I, I'm <laughs> off, though, so. Um, a lot of lot of bums. A lot of bums here in Santa Fe. So I'm about to go out, grab some dinner. Nice. A lot of good local establishments. So I'll, I'll probably come across a couple of them, too. But uh, no, I'm hoping I can watch the game tomorrow. I don't have anything till later on. So cool. I'm going to try to back out of a, a meeting with a colleague that I agreed to foolishly. <laughs> um, but I can watch it. There's got to be a place around here that'll show it. So, Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think, I think, well, all the reports coming out now are, uh, are that, you know, Klopp's getting a huge sum to overhaul the squad and he's getting Royce and Goethe and... Um, you know, everyone under the sun. So, um, I think, although, like you said earlier, Royce and Royce and Gertz, sounds a lot less ridiculous now. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. Like, you know, we, I think the two of us were great Rogers supporters and we saw what he provided. We also saw that the writing was on the wall too, Yeah, but at no point, I mean, Lalana, Lovren, those Benteke, those make sense for Rogers' big money signings, right. because the thought of him sitting down with a world class player it never, never really fit. Whether that's no. in hindsight now, what Gerard said that he had him reach out or whatnot, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean that's that's why Klopp's yeah. in place now and why we've always needed someone of that caliber. Because it, uh, uh, that's what a world-class coach can bring in, even if you can't offer the Champions League, is that you've got that pull of not just national talent, um, but talent from anywhere where they, they recognize and they want to play for uh, a great coach. So right. as long as we got Klopp, we're in good shape. And maybe we're going to yeah. be saying that for the next two years while shaking in a corner. But, <laughs> you know, we're... So be it. So be it. That's if the ship's going down. That's the ship that I want to, you know, that's yeah. who I want captaining it to. So exactly. we're positives, you know, start with Klopp, 
talk about a few more and then end with Klopp as well too because I think yeah. you know poor case for Carlo never really stood a chance but uh, yeah. yeah we're we're in good shape so we'll see how it goes tomorrow yeah we will and uh, hopefully we'll be back with a uh, with a more positive episode here in the future because we've had a couple oh. uh, pretty negative ones positives here. positives the the website oh yeah so two red gringos uh, yeah com is a thing um it's still in its its infancy um but we've got some stuff on there i've uh i've got the last episode on there and then little little bio for for everyone to enjoy i read, I read the bio i read the bio it's not it's not the most flattering but it's it's, <laughs> it's supposed perfect. to be self-deprecating perfect. you know exactly and that's you know that's what you get that's what you get from us in a non that's kind of how we and a non men and blazers kind of way exactly we like, um, we like the text <laughs> right <laughs> i thought about so putting modern. a line in there literally you'll never you'll never catch us dead in a blazer um, <laughs> that's pretty good i might throw that, that in yeah, that could be a motto on one of the pages too. But no, the yeah. site's beautiful. <laughs> the fact that we have a legit, you know, site not dot weebly or dot Dude. anything else. Step, that, I mean, it's it I feels know, pretty good. I don't know. Talk about talk about the pressure of penalties. I feel a lot of pressure with a uh, with a legit <laughs> website here that we got to start. Uh, I'd say start there's almost up. less pressure because people just well, assume you, we're we're legit. Just, shit. <laughs> they just assume now that aura, um, that aura of legitness that the website provides. Exactly, too. this no, is the website equivalent of showing up with, uh, with like Adidas Ace cleats um, at your Sunday league. You know, like these are your Nike oh Mercurial no. Superflies um, signed by Most Neymar. Most of our listeners have not seen us play in our Sunday league, so <laughs> the well, quality of the pods far out exceeds the uh, the competitiveness that we showed out on the pitch. Yeah, that's very true. But this is this is showing up in you know full kit and uh, with with you know three hundred dollar cleats to your <laughs> to your Sunday league. Speaking, it gives the aura that you know what you're doing. Speaking of full kit, I got my Adidas, what is this, like 11, 12, or 12, 13 Liverpool shorts on right now, too. They're nice. a little small. For some reason, my brother went to Liverpool and brought me back like a medium, and so I can't <laughs> wear them out of the house. So but, you know, we're rocking here in, in Santa Fe, so uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave our listeners with that image of me in tight Adidas, better than New Balance, <laughs> but tight Adidas, yeah. Liverpool short shorts. Um, well, if you guys have enjoyed what you've listened to, uh, so far, then you can check out our website now to redgringos.com. We're so <laughs> ridiculously legit. Um, and, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. There's a link on the website to subscribe. So, um, check us out there and, uh, check us out on Twitter. Uh, two red gringos, El Paso Reds, and uh, yeah, I uh, hope we'll be back 
soon. I've got all the time in the world, so it's really up to you, you know, when we record next. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, for Patrick Staley, this is Phil Bakke, and uh, this has been the Two Red Gringos. Adios. Adios. Taliban. Taliban. Yeah. Jump in, jump in, jump in. Them boys up to something. They just spent like two or three weeks out the country. Them boys up to something. They just not just bluffing. You don't have to call. I hear my dance like Usher. Ooh. I just found my tempo like on DJ Mustard. Ooh. I hit that Ginobili with my left hand all like woo. Lobster and Celine for all my babies that I miss. Chicken finger, French fry for them hoes that wanna dance. Jump in, jump in, jump in, them boys up to something. Uh uh uh, I think I need some Robitussin. Way too many questions, you must think I trust you. You searching for answers, I do not know nothing. Woo! I see him tweaking, ain't no something's coming. Woo! Jump in, jump in, jump in, them boys up to something. Woo! Jump in, jump in, jump in, fuck was you expecting? Woo! Shout out, shout out, Michael Jordan just said, text me. Woo! Jump in, jump in, jump in, jump in, jump in, jump in. I just seen the jet take out, they up to something. Them boys just not bluffing, them boys just not bluffing. Jumping, 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 them boys up to something. She was trying to join a team, I told her, wait. Chicken wings and fries, we don't go on this. No boo, no boo, no boo, no boo, no boo, no boo. I just throw the private dinner in the lake. Trapping is a hobby, that's the way for me. Money coming fast, we never get in shape. I, I just had to buy another safe. Bentley Spurs and Phantom Jordan fade away. Yeah, jump in, jump in, I don't need no introduction. Jump in, jump in, Metro booming on production, wow. Country cousins out in Memphis, they so country, wow. Tell us stay the night, valet, your car come fuck me now. Jump in, jump in, live on TNT, I'm flexing, ooh. Jump in, jump in, they gave me my own collection, ooh. Jump when I say jump, girl, can you take direction, ooh. Mutombo with the bitches, you keep getting rejected, ooh Heard they came through Magic City on a Monday Heard they had the club wild, it was star-studded A bunch of girls going wild when your chain flooded And I had them like, wow, cup dotted Dope man, dope man, dope man, dope man, dope man, dope man Money on the counter, choppers on the floor I just caught that tempo, DJ Mustard, woo Count those big racks, whoa I know I'ma get my bitch back, whoa I count all these racks that they have on me now I'ma have you like, what? Chinna number nine, chinna number five Well, you got them both Jump in, jump in, jump in Them boys up to something They just spent like two or three weeks out the country Them boys up to something They just not just bluffing Jump in, jump in, jump in Them boys up to something